You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that also syndicates for the A-List online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. The interview subject you're about to listen to is from a Swedish outfit called Enforcer. It is the fellow at the centre of that outfit, Olaf Wickstrand. The reason for the conversation is to promote Enforcer's new album, which will be out at the end of April. It's called Zenith. So let's have a listen to what Olaf has to say. Here we go. Get that. You know. What's been happening, mate? I know you got this. Uh, you got this excellent album to promote uh, that's coming up, mate. Zenith or Zenith, depending on where you're from in the world, is how you pronounce it there. But you know, yeah, we, were, we were a little bit, we were a little bit like uh, insecure how how to uh, how to pronounce that. But uh, well, it's they a, were like when, when we researched that, it was like, well, yeah, you can both say Zenith and Zenith. Yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, God, all these grammar yeah. Nazis out there, excuse the expression, that like to pick apart people's vocabulary and the syntax of language that they use can get bent, to be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's your art. You call it whatever you want. Yeah. You know, but, um, you know, the thing I like about it, you've got two versions. So my question, I guess the question for you that I have is that uh, have you got a big Latin American fan base, have you, or a big Spanish fan base? Is that the, the, the reason behind the, uh, yeah, the we, Spanish we, Yeah, we've been trained our quite a lot. Sorry, what's that? I missed it. Just cut out. No, no. What was your question? Oh, just about uh, the two versions there. You must have a massive Spanish-speaking yeah. following. Massive and massive. Uh, but, uh, I mean, we've been touring in Latin America a couple of times, and we've, we've seen that people, it's really important for people to be able to understand and relate to the lyrics. So uh, that's kind of where this idea started of making two versions, plus that they have, like, both the biggest and also the greatest metal crown in crowd in the in the, in the, the entire world hmm. so uh i mean they've been so dedicated and true to us so it's like also a way of giving back to them as well so uh, yeah yeah it was a crazy project that started as a small project and, and then you know once i engaged myself into the project and didn't like stop until i was all finished it turned hmm. out to be quite a huge project but, yeah, yeah are you a uh, spanish speaker yourself just just the basics just the basics uh, well yeah. i or i mean i well there's there's levels in hell i was about to say but yeah you know <laughs> it's 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 relative but I, I i do speak basic spanish at least so yeah you've obviously been speaking lang- english the english language probably most of your life i take it yeah, I think we we start to speak English, uh, or we start to study English in schools when you're like seven or eight. So it's like very natural for us. Swedish is a very small language, so so it's very natural for for us to um, to uh, speak other languages. We we take like both second language, which would be English in school, but also it's like it's like mandatory to take a third language as well. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's always if you take care of what you're taught, then you then you're then you should be fluent in at least three languages if you're if you went through the Swedish school system. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, it, over here um, in Australia, you do learn either French or German, generally speaking, when you're going to high school. Yeah. But there's definitely more of a push to Japanese too. Is very big too. My daughters uh, learn Japanese in, in kindergarten, very young. Ages, yeah, but, yeah, um, you're pretty close to them, so it makes sense. Yeah, or well, the other one too is Cantonese or Mandarin, I should say. These days, oh, yeah. the Chinese language that's massive for us here because of the trade thing. Oh yeah, you know, huge things going on there. But uh, mate, that's this 
this album, let's talk about this album again, okay? So I know you guys are basically the kings of uh, the new wave of traditional heavy metal, New Wattam, I think is the coin, the phrase that has been coined. Um, this is no gimmick, though, with you guys at all. You've been doing it now for a long time, and I know you individually, you were spearheaded the project, what, you started about 15 years ago or so. Yeah. So um, I guess the question for you is, mate, is how have you uh, remained true to the art? Is it just a part of who you are? Yeah, I mean, we, we've never been, a, we've never been like following trends, I would say, and, and or or anything like that, you know, that that's why we also started, you know, we, we've always been like the option to the current trends, uh, both in like the metal underground, but also in like the society as a whole or in the music in industry as a whole. Hmm. So being true to our ourselves and, and to our ideas always has been like a funda- fundamental idea in with this band concept. Mm, yeah, yeah, and it was... I think I remember when you guys started, so it was about the early 2000s or so, 2005 or so, I think if I can cast yeah. my memory back to when you guys first started, and there wasn't a great fan base there, if you like, was there originally, you're really getting a lot of the older fellows who liked, and older people who liked a lot of yeah. the uh, Iron yeah. Maiden, and I can see a Megadeth t-shirt you've got there on, but then I think you've you've developed, you guys and Three Inches of Blood, I think, was the name of the band that I really remember coming out with a more traditional sound. And then it seemed like this scene sort of expanded around you guys. So is that your impression of things from where, from where you were? Sitting? I think, I think, yeah, I think, I think, like this kind of thing, pretty much exploded in 2010, and that's where before that it was still like an underground thing, and and us and a few other bands like Portrait in Solitude. And some other of those bands that kind of never reached the same. Maybe maybe in solitude did at some point, but they quit like very like mm. in 2012. Or something. But uh, yeah, before that it was more of an underground thing. But then all of a sudden in 2010 there was like bands like popping up at every corner of the world playing this kind of style. Mm. So I mean, this new wave of traditional heavy metal, as they call it, is something that I'm aware of and also that I've been aware of something that we started but it's nothing that we can that we've ever related to you know yeah yeah I was going to ask yeah. you about that because these these labels tend to get laying upon yeah. you don't they they're not a, they're not a choice it's not like you come out in an interview and go yeah we are new wave of traditional heavy yeah. metal or I, would say, I would say that the, the followers do label themselves as this but you know that it's not that it's not that Iron Maiden are, are going out with, yeah, we are a real new wave of British heavy metal band. They would never say that because, you know. Mm. Yeah. It's just something that I think radio programs from programs from back yeah. in the day needed to uh, yeah. allocate bands for shows and then DJs. And then, of course, then with the record stores, yeah. you had little sections and all the rest of it. But, look, I'm a great believer. I've said this many times in the podcast, mate, that for me it's all rock and roll, to be honest with you, man, the whole thing. You know, yeah. all rock music, whether yeah, it's yeah, black same, metal. Same yeah. yeah. Black, whether it's, you know, talking to Eric from Watain not too long ago, I just said to him, man, to me, you guys are just a great rock and roll band. And he didn't disagree, I don't think, you know. Um, turned out he's a big fan of um, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. And I can hear that through yeah. their music. I, I think so too. For me, it's like the same thing, you know. Because you can hear, as long as you hear like the dedication and you can hear the 
like that they really mean what they're doing is, is like the same thing to me, you know? Mm. And that's the essence of rock and roll, I think, that you really mean it. Mm. You mean every note that you play, you mean every word that you're singing, you know? Mm. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So just back yeah. to this, back to the album again, Zenith. Let's call it Zenith because that's how us Australians tend to say the word zenith would you say? <laughs> zenith yeah zenith. not yeah not not zenith i don't know that's a bit of an americanism i think that sort of has crept into our language but no we're, we're definitely more of the british school of things so zenith is how we pronounce it i think that's the way that's oh, yeah. so all good but uh i mean you got a song on there zenith of the black sun um you've even got a song on there called regrets so is there is there a lyrical yeah. theme through this one here that you want to share in, in these two songs? Oh, just in a song like or, Regret, or yeah, because I didn't have access to the uh, to a lyric sheet or what have you, but uh, is there okay. a, yeah, what are the lyrical themes on the album? Like, there isn't like a common theme throughout the album, there's not. There's, I mean, the, the lyrical themes are very, 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 they're, they're just as varied as the um, as the music, I would say. But uh, in these, these two particular songs, I would say that Zenith, Zenith is... Um, it's like a concept that was developed by um, a friend of mine mm. uh, who also wrote the lyrics. And we came up with this like idea about like prehistoric human who were exposed to some sort of cataclysmical event or something, or 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 a dra- like a radical change in their everyday life. So based upon that, they are inventing gods and religions and pretty much superstition. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like this story that talks about this this uh, this concept uh, in Zenith of the Black Sun. Um, yeah, that's pretty much the, like, it's a pretty epic story if you get the, the lyrics. It's yeah, the I'm looking forward to it, yeah. the same guy who, who once wrote Katana for us. It's a song from our 2010 album. Hmm. Lyrical genius, I would say. Uh, regrets, I would say that that's more, more of a, like, a, more of a self reflection um, in the lyrics is more has a bit of regret in it, obviously, and it's like missing something, and also a little bit has a little bit of a suicidal idea in it, you know, mm-hmm. losing grip. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Profound. Yeah. yeah profound subject. Yeah. Buddy, yeah. Well, I think I think the things that you're talking about there, though, sound like as though they all link back to your album cover. I really like the album covers that you've managed to produce through Thank the years. So this one here, um, I used to be a fan of Gamma Ray. I don't really like a lot of power metal anymore, to be honest with you, but I certainly had to dig up my copy of the the CD. And uh, I think the album was Power Plant from 1999 that they came out with. And uh, uh, not suggesting for a moment yours is is, uh, is the same as that, but there's, there's echoes of it through there. But the big one for me was... Um, Power Slave, one of my favourite all-time albums. So, the album cover art, though, it is important for you guys, though, isn't it? I mean, it is an important companion piece, and I know these days people generally don't, well, certainly in Australia, buy CDs. We stream things, so you only get a little yeah. little image icon, if you like, but I'd love to see this one on T-shirts, man. I think it'll look fab. Yeah. Um, well, of course, it's, isn't it, it's, a, it's a part of the packaging, and, and it's kind of the, the vibe that you send the listener because music is, in the end, it's about associations, I think. Mm. And when you close your eyes and you listen to something, you picture yourself somewhere or in a certain mood. And, and like, goes together, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would say. So, so, like, the color theme, like, the general vibe of the artwork is something that um, 
definitely is important. But then, like the actual concept is more that that's pretty much the the artist idea. Um, hmm. But yeah, of course, it's important to 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 put you there together with the music. I was just trying to, I'm just trying to Google now the name of the Tom Cruise film. You probably know it, but Tom Cruise has got a film out um, where he and uh, Morgan Freeman, I think Morgan Freeman is, you know, beamed up into this massive pyramid style thing. And actually the, the graphic reminds me a little bit of that one there. Mm. I can't remember mm. the name of the film. Was it, it wasn't Interstellar. Jesus, any other time, of course, I'd remember it and I can't remember it at the moment. But uh, yeah, I, I love, I love what you said there about it. You know, it's, um, it's uh, it's kind of got dark connotations at the same time too. You know, there's an ominous feeling about it too. So would you say yeah. would, you, would you say this album is a bit more of a serious album, more serious than even the other albums that you guys have got out there? We've always tried to be very serious and ambitious with what we're doing, but of course you you, you learn something from everything you do, and the next project you, you involve yourself in, it just seems to be every project seems to be just more and more ambitious all the time. Um, but yeah, and you also get the possibility to fulfill your ideas more and more, the more experience you have and also the more, more time and money you have to play with. Mm. Indeed, indeed. Hey, what, did, what do you, what would you say has been your greatest challenge as an artist doing what you're doing with Enforcer? Greatest challenge, I mean, to always, like, succeed what we've been doing before, I would say. Hmm. Um, like, come up with something that is not only in pair with the previous releases, but to always do something that, that's better. That's the biggest challenge. That's the challenge I, I, I feel right now in front, like, before a potential next record is how the fuck should we exceed this, hmm. you know? That's been the challenge because I think it's rather useless to do something that is not better than your previous efforts. Mm -hmm. you know? Yep. So would you say this is the uh, if you're going to show somebody an Enforcer album who'd never heard it before? Do you think Zenith is the album that you'd like to show them? Definitely. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Without doubt. Who did you work with? Which which producer did you work with on this one? Uh. No producer. We did it ourselves. You did it. Okay, good on you. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Me, me, and, uh, me and Jonas like, pretty much co-produced the entire album. We wanted to work with, an, with, with some producer because it's hell a lot of work. Yeah. But, uh, but, uh, and I, I would like to focus on the musical parts, but uh, somehow, you know, you, we talked to a few producers and they were like, seems like most producers, like, who do more major bands, they're very stuck in like 2003's type of music production. Mm. You know? I know what you're saying. They think yeah. They think that it's, everyone seems to think that it's, that it sounds massive with triggered drums and, and, and guitars with no mids in, you know? Um, I don't agree with that. I think it sounds massive when you have like a timeless, good production, but it's not like trendy to do that. So, Honestly, I don't think that any any producer of today can really capture what I hear in my head. So mm. that's why we eventually decided to do it our, all by ourselves. Plus, that we we kind of been using the studio as an instrument, as like a lot, um, 
And that's also why we wanted to be in total control of of the sound, because the sound is also a big part of, of like the the entirety. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. You, well, you, there's your fellow Swede in Jens Bogren. Have you had a chat to him about maybe Ooh. working Jens Bogren? You know, the guy who did Sepultura Creator. He's done a lot, a lot of stuff for Nuclear Blast, actually. A lot of new, uh, a lot of yeah, Nuclear yeah. Blast I've been thinking about his name actually, but I never talked to him. Yeah, check him out, man. He knows exactly what's going on, actually. And he's worked with a lot of bands that, um, like, he... I wouldn't actually say that there's an identifiable characteristic that Jens himself brings to the table, like in the same way Ross Robinson does, you know, with what he's been doing with what he did with Suicide Silence recently and, of course, Korn and those bands there. But Jens just, man, he just seems to... Everything he seems to work with, every band he seems to work with, the bands, it sounds like as though... He knows exactly what's going on in the studio, and that's yeah. you can't say that about every producer, to be honest with you. No, no, no. You know, so what about Australia, mate? Have we uh, have we endeared ourselves to you over the years? Have you what endeared? Like, have we reached out to you over social media? Um, do you get a lot of follow up, feedback, and a lot of communication <laughs> from Australian fans? Some, some, but. Uh... Not a lot. Um, I don't know much about the Australian metal scene. I, I, I went to Sydney last year and I and I went to this Utopia place. Uh, yeah, record store down there. Yeah, pretty cool store. And I met a I met quite a lot of people there who 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 knew about us and who were excited about us and just just like randomly just by randomly walking in there. Hmm. So I think that you have a potential scene, um, and I would love to explore that more somehow. Yeah, we're not massive on the trad metal stuff. So traditional heavy metal, it's more um, deathcore, metalcore. You yeah. know, Thy Art is you Murder. <laughs> yeah, you know, Thy Art is Murder and Aversion's Crown. It's like you know that I talked about this kind of traditional metal wave that 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 went on in like 2010 in Europe. Hmm. Uh, we've seen that wave also hit North America, but kind of in 2019 or 2018 like mm. 10 years after. So I think you can expect a little wave of retro metal in, in Australia mm. eventually as well. It's just, I think you just have to, I don't know, you just have to have some pioneers, some band coming down to do to do this for you. Mm. I think Ed Guy, Ed Guy have come down a little bit actually. There's been a few bands that have come down, but um, and of course the big ones like yeah. Maiden and, Priest, yeah. Priest just headlined uh, Download down here. Yeah, yeah. I think they. Uh, it seems like every man and his dog has gotten into Priest, and I'm an old Priest fan. Actually, I got into them. I'm old enough to mm. have gotten into them around about Painkiller. Mm. And uh, but uh, it seems like every man and his dog gets into them these <coughs> days. But uh, I, I I listen to them so much to be honest with you. I can't listen to them anymore. They're just done. You know, you get to that point when you listen to a band too much, and it's just. It's too familiar. You always be a fan, and you always watch them and support them, but it's just yeah. too familiar. But I, I think Judas Priest is one of those bands where I really admire for that you you can you can go into their back catalog, and you can always find new stuff that you haven't discovered before because their their old albums are so so varied and it's so many hmm. many different like dimensions in their in their music. So you can anytime you can go back to any album. Um, like let's say any album pre painkiller um, mm. um, 
and uh, and you can always find or actually painkiller too there, there's a few I kind of don't like the production on it but there's a few really good tracks on it but you can yeah. always go back and you can find something new even though I listened to Judas Priest for 25 years I can still find something new in 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 their albums now yeah. and that has been something that's been very like inspirational for us did you read KK Downing's book no I haven't Good book, man. Good book. It doesn't yeah. paint priests in the best light, I must say. But uh, I didn't. One of the things that I didn't realize um, was that Glenn Tipton had so much of a dominance over him in so far as doing the guitar leads and solos. I always yeah. thought that I was listening to the two guitarists. Actually, I didn't investigate yeah. that part of it. But because uh, KK is actually a good soloist too, I've, I've made a point of listening to some of his stuff that I could find on YouTube. And of course, he's a yeah. tremendous rhythm player, probably the best rhythm player. Out of all of those those traditional bands, if you don't mind me saying, I think his yeah. style was just so blocked, and you always knew it was him. And it, the link that he had with yeah. um, I can't remember the name of the bassist, sorry, but um, the, he and Ian the bassist, yeah, Ian Hill, they just ride in to, together with yeah. each other, and um, they didn't always use the same drummer either. You know, Dave Holland, who's since departed this mortal coil, they had him for a bit, and uh, then of course, um, what's the name of their drummer now? Sorry, the guy from Racer X. Scott no Travis. Idea. Scott Travis. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been yeah. around for a while. And then they had uh, Mr. Drum Machine for a while. Yeah, what was that album? Was that Turbo? Was that on that album or what was it? I think I think the Turbo no, I don't I'm not sure, but like I think Ram It Down and Painkiller are are drum machine. Is that like, right? In Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I look a very large part at least. Yeah, I remember getting Painkiller about the same time I got Rust in Peace, you know, with your T-shirt there. And uh, yeah. and to me, they were inseparable, those two. And Annihilator's yeah. Alice in Hell as well. That was another yeah. classic album, yeah. you know, 99, yeah, I think. No, 89. Yeah, something like that. I got them in 1990, so probably not that long after they were released, but yeah. you're probably right yeah. about being 89. But 1990 was a good year, I reckon. You know, it was a coroner album, whatever album that they had out that year. And Celtic yeah. Celtic Frost came out with Vanity Nemesis as well. Um, which I didn't, yeah. I didn't, wasn't into them back then. I, I got into them a few years after that, but they, they're probably yeah. one of my favourite all-time bands, Celtic Frost. Actually, they're another yeah. tremendous yeah. outfit that we haven't seen down here. I don't think so, but that's life, mate. Yeah. All right, mate. No, that's good. Good to chat to you. Congratulations on. Um, I always say this, man, to people like yourself, but I really admire the fact that you've been able to carve a career and have a career playing heavy metal. Because it's bloody hard to do. It's so hard to do. So you've obviously been doing a lot of the right things musically and also in business. So congratulations for that. Thank you very much. Thanks. Yeah. All right, mate. No worries. Cheers. All the best. Thank you. Nice chatting. Mike. Have a good day. You too, mate. Catch you. Right, you have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that also syndicates for the A-List online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that interview subject you heard from was Olaf Wickstrand from the Swedish outfit Enforcer. Thank you so much for listening.